right. Well, if you um, are looking in the one of these new pew Bibles today, can you thank our resource center for their uh, contribution there? There we go. 1093 is where we'll be, so you can turn there if you'd like. If you don't have a Bible, this is yours. You can take it. We'd love to give that to you. Uh, last week, we looked at some hard things in the book of Revelation. Uh, we saw that the coming kingdom of Jesus is pressing against the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of uh, the world and all the powers that be there, the, um, as Ephesians tells us, those uh, principalities, those powers in the air that are unseen to us. The, the, the coming kingdom of Jesus presses against that. We use the analogy, uh, uh, someone called it, uh, someone said they liked it and called it like a cocoon. And in a way, it kind of is. It's like this kingdom of Jesus is always there, but it's somewhat unseen. And now it's pressing out and pressing on the kingdom of this world, this counterfeit kingdom that's been fashioned in this haphazard way. And as you would expect, that kingdom of this earth is breaking apart with the coming of the kingdom of Jesus. The, the counterfeit kingdom of the world and the guy who thinks he's in charge of it are all scrambling. Today we will see the moment when these kingdoms collide. The two kingdoms are on a collision course and eventually will collide. And though this is hard to hear, we already know that. We already know these kingdoms are, are being pressed upon. This, uh, this kingdom of Jesus is pressing upon the kingdom of this earth. And we realize it's already, we, we feel the reverberations. We're not surprised to hear about the collision course because we can feel the reverberations already when it is pressing against it and it's colliding and the Bible calls this birth pains or uh, these pains of birth that are, are eventually going to come. And remember, last week we said that the four judgments have been being enacted upon the world all, for a long time, for, uh, again and again and again. And those four judgments will be enacted upon the world again. In the same way, the two competing kingdoms have been colliding and will ultimately collide. You feel the reverberations of these collisions when someone dies, when suffering comes, when you find yourself too deep in sin's dread sway, when you're focusing too hard on this earthly kingdom and not his kingdom, you feel the reverberations. Also, this world's kingdom is constantly bumping up against us. And when we enter the kingdom of Jesus while in this world, and we do that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, and every day people across the world are entering into this invisible kingdom, this invisible kingdom, this coming kingdom of the slaughtered lamb. And when people trust in Jesus and his sacrifice for them, they enter that kingdom, but they enter while they are here on this earthly kingdom. And when we do that, the kingdom collides with us. It crashes on us. 
And we get caught in the crunch as well. I think about Christian martyrs, and it's very easy to look at this passage and think about all the martyrs that have gone before us. It's even been said that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and how it grew in the early church. And I would just say that the church is growing today in the places that persecution is the strongest. Did you know that Christianity is larger than it's ever been? It's hard for us to see that because oftentimes we see churches dying every day in America. Part of that's just because we're so complacent with where we are in our Christianity, and it's so easy at times that we, uh, we fail to realize how important it is. But did you know that in Southeast Asia, the church is bigger than it's ever been, but they're hiding? They have to hide? They're, they're uh, wrought with persecution every day. They have to face even death and martyr than them, themselves. Did you know that in Africa, the church is growing so quickly that some estimate that one day Africans, and they're already doing it, but that they will send that the, that the African Christian church, the church in Africa, will send out missionaries to the world like Muslim con countries like Afghanistan and the Middle East, and they'll send missionaries there because they already face the backlash of bumping up against the kingdom of this world and, and, um, and those thoughts and those ideas are ready. And that they'll be the bold ones to go to Afghanistan and see the Great Commission fulfilled in those areas and that the Great Commission will be fulfilled by the African churches, the African Christians. The church is growing because martyrs are still dying every day. Just not here. But across the world, members of the body of Christ losing their lives for Christ. But even here, I think of people who lose their jobs because of their Christian convictions, that they come to light, and maybe they're in a government job, or maybe they're in, in these jobs where that just clashes with the kingdom, the kingdom of this world, and lose their job, their livelihood. I think about... Christians being persecuted across the globe today. Did you know that there are millions every day persecuted for their faith across the globe? One of the things that you can do that will help, and this is just a side note, there's a website, you might want to write this down, called ICommitToPray.com, where you can pray every day. You get prayer prompts. You can pray every day for the persecuted church across the world. It's through uh, Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com, and then this particular commitment to pray. You can go and sign up there. You'll receive an email prompt every day to pray for the persecuted church. You see, the kingdom of this world is already colliding with the kingdom of Christ, with you and I. We get caught up in the crunch, in the crash of it all. Let's read the rest of chapter 6 of Revelation and let's look at the two more seals being opened and see what happens when the kingdoms collide. If you're able, would you stand for the, to read God's word, to honor it? Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered 
because of the word of God and the testimony they had given, the martyrs. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long will you judge those who live on the earth, or you might even say according to the plan of the earth, and how long will you not avenge our blood? So they were each given a white robe, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. And I saw him open the sixth seal. A violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair. The entire moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like the scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved from its place. The kings of the earth, the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Because the great day of their wrath uh, has come, and who is able to stand? You may be seated. What we see here is the collision of these two kingdoms. The coming kingdom of Jesus Christ, the coming kingdom of the Lamb, and the result of when that kingdom collides with the kingdom of this earth. It's hard to hear. It's, it's hard to read. It's hard to fathom and understand. It's, far, it's hard to grasp what does this mean and what do we do with it? How do we wrestle with it and understand it for our own lives today? And that has been what we have sought to do all along in this series and what we will continue to seek to do as this series continues for another two years off and on. We, we got one more week next week, and we're going to take a little break. And uh, if you don't need it, I do, okay? Because this is tough. It's rewarding because I'm, seeing, I'm able to see things in Scripture I haven't really understood or seen before, but it's hard to do. And so we're going to take a little break after next week. But what I want to do today is help figure out how in the world does this help us today? What do we see from this, and how do we wrestle with it, and what do we understand about these colliding kingdoms, and what that means for you and I, and how we face this? You and I want to avoid suffering. Like I've already said, the colliding kingdoms means those seeking the way of the Lamb will get caught in the crosshairs. Those seeking the way of King Jesus and His kingdom will get caught in the crunch. We see that here. Here we see Christians, martyrs, and it says that they're under the altar. And perhaps they are under the altar because their sacrifice is a sacrificial act similar to Jesus' sacrifice. They are at the bottom of the altar where the blood would pull from a sacrificial lamb being sacrificed. So perhaps... Perhaps they are there under the altar crying out, How long, O Lord? Because they, uh, have th they have also contributed a sacrifice of their own, likened unto the sacrifice of King Jesus, of the lamb slaughtered before the foundation of the world. Be because Jesus was slaughtered and was held in high esteem because he was worthy because he had conquered through his sacrifice these Christians, these martyrs who gave their own blood also, 
were there, honored because of their sacrifice. Paul tells us in Acts chapter 42, 22, that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom. They cry out, how long, O Lord? And we get that. I think that's why we hear Christians say, the book of Revelation is being fulfilled before our very eyes. Why? Because we know that. We feel that at our very core. We understand how long, O Lord? How long must we suffer? How long must sin reign? How long must the enemy uh, push into us and crash into us over and over and over again? How long, Lord, must we endure? How much, much longer should we face this? We understand that, and we hope in, 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 in with John at the end of this at the end of Revelation, we, we say too, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. How long, O oh Lord? We get that. We understand. Suffering is hard. Suffering is not fun. It's something that we, we all know we face, and many of us have faced it in very specific ways that we know and we feel this longing for King Jesus to come and end it all, end all the suffering. But Jesus' answer to those Christians found on the altar is the same answer he gives us today. Wait a little while longer. Everything has not been completed yet. There's more people to give their lives. More people that are going to have to suffer. More people that are going to have to die for King Jesus. More people that will have to sacrifice their lives. No wonder most everyone stops at chapter 5. Really? That was a joke. I mean, no wonder, right? No wonder. Most churches don't go into chapter 6. No wonder preachers stop with, you know, the beautiful heavenly throne room of Jesus and don't jump into these seals. No wonder. Why then do we continue? Why must we look? Many still must suffer for Jesus' kingdom because many still must enter the kingdom of Jesus. And we who are here who are suffering, we're meant to tell them. You understand that, right? You understand that, yes, we suffer. Yes, we long for the kingdom of Christ to come. But we are still here, still tarrying, still laboring, still suffering because more people need Jesus, it's not yet completed what he has set out to do. Yes, the kingdom is coming, but the kingdom is available for others to enter into it, to trust in the blood of the slaughtered lamb to cover their sins, to forgive them of what they've done, to forgive them of their wrong. There's still a chance to turn, to repent, and to turn to Jesus and live our lives in the fullness of the life that he offers. Not that the death that the kingdom of the world wants to enact upon us. We have the life of Jesus Christ because of his death, his sacrificial death that covers us. And we suffer still. The suffering of the saints takes place to add to what Jesus' suffering accomplished, presenting people to God. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 1, 24 through 29. 
It's not on the screen. Just, follow, just listen, if you will, or you can turn to it very quickly if you'd like. This is what Paul says about suffering. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. That's really weird, right? I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, which that is strange, and we don't, that seems odd. What could be lacking in Jesus' afflictions? That is the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known among the Gentiles, the glorious wealth to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's that life that we have in Christ he's talking about. We proclaim him, he says, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. You see what Paul is saying is that he's saying that, listen, I'm okay with my sufferings because my sufferings fill up and come alongside of Christ's sufferings to accomplish what Jesus came to accomplish to begin with. And so I suffer for the body, and I suffer because I am proclaiming to all I can the way to have glory by being in Christ Jesus. Uh, another way to say it is, I am proclaiming to people how they can enter the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the coming kingdom, and leave the kingdom of this earth. And so he's okay with that, and, and that's why we still suffer. That's why suffering is to still take place, because people must come to Christ, and you and I are the conduit for them to do that. How will anyone know if there is no one to preach is what Romans tells us. You and I are, we have the beautiful feet of those who carry the gospel as that continues in that passage. I don't think I told you the point. The point is the colliding kingdoms result in the suffering of the saints. The second point, the colliding kingdoms result in the destruction of those who commit idolatry. Jesus gives chance after chance after chance for those tied to this earthly kingdom to follow him and live according to his kingdom. In this seal, the wrath of the Lamb, as they call it, the, the idolaters call it that. The wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God, is eventually enacted fully upon those living according to the kingdom of the world. How do I know that? These are not just innocent bystanders. These are people who made a conscious decision to commit idolatry against the Lord Jesus Christ. And just so you know, that's anyone who fails to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and say, I want to be a part of your kingdom. We, we've idolized the kingdom that we live in. We've committed idolatry by saying we would rather live here and live according to these ways than to live according to Jesus' ways. And so the idolatry that's, being take, that's taken place in here is, is seen in all of these, in, in these verses. Jesus is essentially saying, you want your way instead of mine? So be it. I'll take my hand off and you can see 
if you can be God and hold it all together, and what happens? It comes crumbling apart. That's when the collision comes and it all falls apart. We could get into all the nuances there. I certainly don't know what all those things look like or when that's going to happen, and that's just been the point of this whole thing. I, I don't know, but at some point, the kingdom of Jesus Christ will eventually collide completely with the kingdom of this world. And eventually, all who love this world more than Christ's kingdom will experience the removal of his hand that stays us, that holds us, that holds it all together. And that's the point here. Those left are the ones that would rather commit idolatry than worship the one tried and true Savior. We see in this very last part when they're saying to the mountains and, and, and the rocks to fall on us and hide us, what they're essentially saying is that we would rather die than enter the kingdom of the Lamb. We would rather die than turn to Jesus. Where do you stand with all of this? What's more important to you? Your kingdom? And I would just say your so-called kingdom because <laughs> as much as we think we may be in charge of our own little kingdom, the hand of God holds it together and as soon as he takes it away, it'll come crumbling down. Are we more concerned with this earthly realm and all the things it promises us? Or are you placing your life in the hands of the slaughtered lamb who is the only one worthy? That's really the question of, of this chapter, of all that's taking place here is, do you extol and lift high the name of Christ, or do you say, I want this world and what it has instead? And so my encouragement to you my call to you, and it's not my call, it's his call, is come to this Jesus today. There is still an opportunity. He is still tarrying. He is still giving us a chance to enter his kingdom. And so my prayer today is that you would come to this Jesus, fall at his feet, worship him, because he's worthy, he's worthy. And that you would enter his kingdom before the kingdoms collide. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. This is a hard teaching. Who can follow it? Who can know it? Who can understand it, Lord? As eloquently as I've tried to present this, Lord, I know it falls short. And so, God, we need your Holy Spirit to help us to grasp and understand and know what we must do and how we must respond today, God. I think it's pretty clear what we should do, that at the end of it all, it's just a matter of that we are, are we for your kingdom? Or would we rather be tied to the kingdom of this world? Help us, God. Speak to our hearts. 
move in our lives today, God. If someone is here today that does not know you, Lord, and they want to enter your kingdom today, Lord, help them to see that it's, from Scripture, it's quite simple what they must do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And so God, help someone today to enter the kingdom of Christ. Be saved today. To believe on you. To believe what you've said. And to trust you, God. Lord, if anyone's here today and just needs to to reorient their heart and life. Lord, they've, they've become a Christian. They've entered the kingdom, but they've focused too much on what this world has to offer and the sins and the, and the ways of the world, and they're not seeking the way of the Lamb as much as they should. Lord, help them and help us. Help me. Help me to think about that now and to respond now. Move in our hearts and lives, Lord. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, we're going to sing it. If God is moving in your heart.